welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin, Caleb is away. My name is Notch. This week, the World Cup enters knockout mode as Minnesota United knock out our feelings. We also cover on this show the MLS, the NWSL, before moving on to all the latest transfers from all over the world. Do you remember when Donald Trump was elected two years ago? One Don't of the things that me. yes, one of the things that we were told was that his constant challenging of our norms would lead to a lawless society in which nothing matters and people took matters into their own hands and violence ran free because the rules of our society, our societal contract, was no longer valid. You remember all of this? Perjunite, basically. Yeah, basically. And and it, it's what happened with the Gracchi in ancient Rome. They brought, introduced mob violence into ancient Roman politics. And this led to a breakdown of norms, which then allowed Augustus to take charge and demolish the Roman Republic. You've, of course, read about all of this. Sure. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure you have too, listener. Well, it turns out we were really wrong about dis- what would destroy the fabric of our society. Turns out it's England winning on penalties. Nothing matters anymore. The rules are gone. Even the laws of physics and science itself no longer apply because the universe-ending event has occurred. I am currently on the ceiling as we record this. I shouldn't be, but somehow I'm, I'm standing on the ceiling as we record. Ooh, what a feeling to be dancing on the ceiling. Wait, did you sing that while we were taking notes? Is that the same song? Yes. Oh, so that's the... What is that song? I think it's Lionel Richie. Really? I believe so. Okay, Lionel Richie called Dancing on the Ceiling? Yes. You know, for a second there, I forgot that uh, Lionel Richie was a musician who made more than one song. Maybe that's why he made Hello, because he was reminding people that he exists. Um, Dude, the Commodores are awesome. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I bet not someone would send us an angry tweet like, I'm a huge Lionel Richie fan. Where's Lionel Richie from? Uh, he's from Alabama. I bet he's like Alabama's prince. Uh, we're just gonna get you know, a lot actually, of hate that mail. does make a lot of sense. Yeah, we just get a lot of hate mail from Alabama now. Yeah. And yeah, Lionel Richie definitely is Alabama's prince, in part because Alabama is terrible, and therefore you need like a much lesser version of prince. Hey, man, I al- already Alabama. like signed us up for a little bit of hate mail. Don't get us a lot. <laughs> okay. You know what? It's totally deserved. It's totally. Fine. It is deserved. It's fine. Y- you know what else is deserved? Uh, we shouldn't just make fun of Caleb this entire episode. Wait, we've tried that before, and we couldn't come up with it. He's yeah, too wholesome. Yeah, he's he's too nice. He's too pleasant. It's 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 hard. I was hoping that as the years of life wore him down and destroyed his uh, sense of being, we would see a rougher side that we could uh, mock. I cannot wait until cynical Caleb happens. Yeah, that, For his sake, I hope it doesn't. But. You know, that, that universe-ending event that we're joking about, that might be it. Do you really want that on your conscience? Are we going to blame me or blame England? I think we should blame Adrian Heath. Uh, how about that? Um, I thought that we were absolving Adrian Heath of all of his sins. Actually, while we're on that subject, why don't we just go into our first segment that we call United Passions. Our sport has a bright future ahead. 
in the United Passions segment, we talk about the United we're most passionate about. Somehow, inexplicably, Minnesota United FC. I mentioned this on Twitter. David Martin from the Daves I Know coming up with the fact that the collective noun for loons is an asylum. An asylum of loons. I would actually argue it's a disappointment of loons. That is a collective noun for loons from now on, thanks to Minnesota United's existence. Because they lost... Again, to Dallas. And this time we had, again, one of those brave, noble losses where our 11 Warriors went out on the pitch led by their glorious leader and came out bloodied and battered. And they might have lost the battle, but, you know, they also lost the war. Because, I mean, let's be honest now. This campaign is leading us to uh, a tapestry in which someone gets an arrow through the head. God, I hope so. Because that would be an improvement. Yeah. Um, So as you were mentioning before, Adrian Heath, a topic of conversation, and our friends on our Minnesota United on Reddit, which has become something of an obsession for me. It's in the basement. If you go down there right now, you'll just see printouts of Reddit posts, usernames blown up and written in like a red marker with like thread connecting all of them and then Vladimir Putin in the center. Um our Minnesota United has become an obsession, and there is this very angry group of people on there who oscillate between talking about a few different things. So, like, this year it's ticket prices, the incompetence of our front office, uh, their words, not mine, and Sam Nicholson, who is there, I've mentioned this also maybe on a previous podcast, that he is their version of Jesus. If they write the Bible, Sam Nicholson will be Jesus, uh, who died for our sins. And recently, another topic has become a kind of a du jour talking point, which is that Adrian Heath is this blameless person who has not been given the tools he needs to succeed. Uh, I I think the listeners at this point have realized what my views on this particular topic are, but I'll just lay it out in one sentence, which is, I don't think Minnesota United's problems are are caused by any one person, but I also don't think that there's any one person who's without blame in this. What do you think? Yeah, that's, it's pretty accurate. Um, I I think if, with a lot of these discussions shifting the blame towards the front office, the players are being brought in, I think it ignores the also deep issue of going back to fitting every single player into a specific formation. You know, Adrian Heath has not been flexible enough with the limitations on this roster. I think that's probably probably the biggest tactical issue that I have, that there hasn't been pragmatism, that there hasn't been just a general feeling of what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, how do we put 11 players on the field that kind of mollify those weaknesses. I haven't seen any of our players significantly improve their performances under this coach. And no. uh, you'd at least think that there was one person who, while playing for us, would improve. Rasmus is the only guy that I can point to as having a marked improvement in his performance between when he started with Minnesota United and went and today. And he went somewhere else to get that. I would almost say that the improvements have been from players who seem to be doing it despite Adrian Heath. Such as? Miguel Ibarra getting back to NASL level form, 
Um, he was always there for me. Again, like that that oh, to me was, I mean, we saw that last year with him. It was just when Adrian Heath was saying, he's not playing hard enough. And then you'd, you'd be like, dude, did you just watch him play against New York City FC? Which is the, the game before which, after which Adrian made those comments. Yeah. Uh, and just to go on with this point, I have not heard any players come out and say, that, wow, the gaffer is just the best. Like, I feel inspired playing under these coaches. They seem to get me. I, beyond the, like, cursory praise, I haven't heard anybody come out and really speak effusively about anyone on the sporting side of our team. That, have yeah, you? I, I cannot recall any time like that. And speaking of people talking, I haven't heard Adrian's postgame comments kind of fit any sort of pattern. He seems to kind of oscillate. I think the only pattern might be that the players didn't work hard enough. There's no other kind of bigger picture where it's like, okay, he tried this and he tried that and he's figured this out now, he's figured that out. It just doesn't seem to be any sort of kind of pattern in those comments to me. And we've seen bad teams play well under good coaches. Yeah. I'm not going to come out and say this is the greatest roster ever assembled by man, but you cannot tell me that this is the highest that they can play and that's on the coach i mean he didn't assemble his roster there's certainly players who are underperforming there uh, there are certainly issues with the pressure coming from the owners or whatever messaging is happening i don't know but you can't say that this coach is doing everything i mean what i will say is this there are so many different aspects of the expectations game that we aren't privy to we don't know what bill mcguire is saying to manny lagos to chris wright to adrian heath we don't know what manny lagos is suggesting in terms of you know tactical changes to the coaching staff we don't know anything that's going on behind the scenes we can only sense that things are going badly because of the results. You had the players before this Dallas game having a meeting without Adrian and kind of taking things into their own hands. Or at least I assume Adrian wasn't there. He's not mentioned in any of the quotes about it. So I don't know. This all sounds really weird to me. I'm not ready to come out and say he's out definitively or anything like that. I just know that some major changes are required for the squad to perform at its best. And I don't think that you can absolve the players. I don't think that you can absolve Manny. And I don't think you can absolve Adrian. And we need some sort of seismic shift that starts with, again, I mentioned this last week. I just want to hear what the owners think about this. Is this going yeah. to plan? Or is is there a very, very hot fire under everyone's asses on the sporting side? Like, I, I don't hear that. You know, typically, at least you have the club president or the owner coming out and making sad statements if they're in the Premier League or La Liga or something. But again, this team has been so famously tight-lipped. We don't hear anything. So we're left with this game against Dallas where our team arguably played really well. And we we outplayed them. But hey, guess what? You didn't because there was one statistic that mattered and you didn't get it. We got scored on. Well, not only that, we had 13 corners where... Did we even get scoring chances out of them? Maybe once? How we, many... we've, we've talked about Iron Skillet for how many years now? Iron, uh, and, and getting those set pieces right? I mean, this is... It, it was tragic. There was a short corner that got passed directly to Dallas. Yeah. 
how is that possible? Now, we did see Ibsen have a couple of good chances. We did see Ramirez have a chance or two. Um, and again, it's it's frustrating because we see the potential. We see that there's more that's possible. But for whatever reason, it's not coming off. Now, Adrian did change the formation uh, to something that a lot of people pre-season, I remember Alex Schufer-Decker mentioning it, for example, wanted a 3-5-2. They got it. And it was fine. It showed the need for actual wingbacks on this team. Which, again, we're now in the funny situation where we've gone from having a bajillion wingers to having zero. Well, well. well, the thing is, there's a difference between a wingback and a winger. I mean, you want your wingback to have some sort of offensive capability. The main thing is that they need to be good at crossing. And they need to be at least putting in higher than average effort both ways more of a kevin venegas than a sam nicholson basically yeah um i think miguel would probably qualify with the amount of defensive effort he can't we've seen him put in i don't think the system has allowed him to put in as much or put him in a good place to do that to display that but i think he's he's talented in that role yeah I, I don't think it's the best use of his talents, but it's, it's something that he can do. I do think, like most people, that Miguel is way better in the center than not white. But anyway, we're getting off topic. The, <laughs> Dallas scored off a corner. Lamar got the header, and then Shuttlecock, Bobby Shuttlecock, got his fingers on it, goes in. Dumb goal. Yeah. Should not have happened. Yeah. and But that, that's how games are won. And like... I wish I could make some jokes right now and be like, ha, 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 here's, here's Minnesota. Yeah. But I'm really just pissed off, man, at this point. I'm slowly sliding from disappointed to pissed off. And it's, what, what's the end game here? What are we doing? What are we all doing in the stadium, man? Uh, sweating our balls off, that's what. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah. That's true. And uh, I, I got to be honest, in rewatching highlights, in hearing some of the kind of after-the-fact things, Minnesota were bad at the things that we knew that they were bad at. And then they still had plenty of scoring chances and just couldn't fire a shot on net. You know, yeah, you're going to lose those games. They're going to be frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, speaking of which, we should probably move on. Talking about the the, the fans, um, the TIFO came off real nicely. I thought it was pretty cool. Maybe, I don't know how many of you have actually followed at regular David, who's in charge of the Dark Clouds. TIFO efforts, but Dave Martin explained that one of the reasons that there were humans on this TIFO was that he did not want to represent the LGBTQ community through buzzwords such as love or pride. He actually wanted to represent people. And I thought that was so poignant. Um, There have been some people coming out and talking about uh, possible sexualization of the characters on the TIFO. I'm not going to talk about that. I, to me, I thought it was a, it was a good effort to kind of humanize the people involved. And it was also a TIFO made with consultation with community leaders. So I appreciated it very much. Um, Also wanted to give a big, big, big holler. And this is where we take a couple of minutes to talk about the biggest thing that happened in Minnesota United land last week. Frankly, in MLS. In the world soccer, uh, one of the biggest things that happened, which is that Colin Martin has come out as only the third, I believe, active soccer player, or was it the second active soccer player? I think Robbie Rogers was, was definitely the first. Yeah, Rogers was the first. Hitzelsberger came out after injuries derailed his career. Right. And then 
Martin now is the um, only active player. Yeah, male player. Male player, yes. Pro soccer player who is out. So incredible, incredible stuff. Takes a lot of bravery and courage. In Megan Ryan's background piece on this, which I highly encourage all of you to go read, he mentions how for some of his teammates, he is the first gay person they know. Like, I didn't think, I don't think I live in that much of a bubble, but holy crap, not even being aware of anyone who's gay in your community. This is the kind of impact that, you know, when people ask like, why do you got to shove your sexuality down my throat? Why you got to come out? Why is this such a big deal? It's a big deal because nobody, like, these guys on this team now have someone that they can talk to and say, hey, uh, this is my view of something around the LGBT community. And then Colin can come out and say, oh, yeah, that's right. Or that's really ignorant or whatever. You know, he, at least they have a human face to to this aspect of the world. I want to actually take this less from the like his teammates and all that it's still not normalized in our culture for gay men to be in these traditionally masculine spaces of course like well that's why his teammates don't know anybody who's gay i mean come on like sports in particular are just this toxic toxic place of the worst parts of masculinity. And it it's partially because of the, you know, physical competitive desire, all that stuff. But a lot of it is because it is still a very closed off space. So when somebody like Colin Martin comes out and says, yeah, you know, I'm gay. I've been out to my teammates for a year. I've been out to my family for longer. This is me that's what starts to normalize it. That's what starts to normalize that, you know, Colin Martin is still a normal player for this team. Yeah, I mean, normalization is very important, true. But I think those interpersonal connections are the ones that, to me, and I think some of that also happens through a TV screen when you're when it's a celebrity talking. Um, for me, like... I'm an immigrant, right? Like I'm an international person. I'm brown. Like I, for a lot of my college friends, I was the first person of my variety that they met. And I remember the first person who was gay that I talked to and how many ignorant things that I had to kind of ask my friend who was patient with me and talked to me about it and helped me understand. And, and to me, that's what normalized it in like the deepest recesses of my mind. I knew like being homophobic was wrong and so I was not kind of uh, actively homophobic or anything but I did still have preconceptions and stereotypes in my head that needed to be broken down by being able to ask questions and I know I've done that to other friends of mine when it comes to immigration when it comes to living abroad when it comes to living in a developing country all this sort of stuff where I've had to be patient be like no my family doesn't own elephants thank you very much but you know these things happen like and, and you need that so um I'm proud as hell of Colin. Man, what a brave kid. Like, I love this man to no end now. It's tragedy and a half that he wasn't put on the pitch. And not just because of his coming out uh, as, like, we wanted him to play because he did that, but because the whole crowd would have gone absolutely bananas and that might have motivated the team to work a little bit harder. I don't know. Also, um, 
I don't know, maybe the fact that when you take off a central midfielder and you leave a central midfielder on your bench and instead put in a fucking winger. Yeah, that was dumb. So anyway, back we circle back to our coaching conversation now. Yes. Um, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> let's just move right on to our next segment that we call the top step. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. In the top step, we cover the latest news from America's Division One leagues, Major League Soccer, and the NWSL. First up, Mauro Diaz, RIP in peace. He's not dead. He's just going to Dubai. Actually, he's probably more alive than the rest of us right now. Dubai is cool, man. Uh, Very hot, but it has like the shopping festival. Have you seen ads for the Dubai shopping festival? No. They used to be on TV in India all the time because we i mean we had really cheap flights to dubai and like indian people go to the gulf all the time but um yeah dubai has an awesome shopping festival sounds crass um so moro diaz uh fc dallas longtime star uh transfers to al ali of dubai and enjoys the dubai shopping festival don't forget that have i mentioned it before on this podcast Yes. Yes, you have not. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. well, well farewell, Mauro Diaz. Uh, One of see, my favorite players to watch. Really? I loved watching him. Oh. Especially in 2016. Are he you was okay? just fantastic. I'm, I'm coping. There was actually an FC Dallas fan who um, it did a video on Twitter um, starting to light up his jersey and then immediately cutting to a candle that also had a card right next to it that said... Don't cry for the bad times. Cry for the good memories. I hope he had Sarah McLaughlin playing. In the arms of an angel. And then you had a little dog crying. Anyway, uh, moving on. Let's talk about... Let's yes. talk about the fact that I'm the better singer in this room right now. Yeah, that's... A, Sorry. That, yeah, totally. that was Absolutely. Oof. 100%. I probably drove away everyone who listened to this podcast yet again. Let's talk about the Cascadia Derby, Seattle playing Portland, and the game actually living up to expectations. Sometimes all these games get so hyped up and completely fall flat, like every single Atlanta United game. Although my initial statement would have also yeah, been Yeah, when you were talking about Minnesota, definitely. <laughs> Freudian um, slip right there. Yeah, 3-2 um, win for Portland, the first time that Portland has gotten a win against the Sounders in MLS. Julio in, Cas- in Seattle, at least. Julio Cascante was playing with a Acme brand handcast. Like, this looked like the handcast that you have in the cartoons where it's, like, really big. Like, his arm is really small, and the cast is really big, and the thumb is, like, sticking out, and it's just gigantic. And then someone would, like, hit him with, like, a skillet, and his face turns flat. Like, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, that's not... I haven't done good authority. It was an actual real bandage. Poor guy. Uh, Brian Meredith was in for Stefan Fry, who is out with a concussion. Um, you could kind of tell on a couple of the goals. That yeah. it was Meredith? Yeah. That it was a different human being? Or uh, all like white people look the same to you, Colin? Actually, yeah, most do. Okay. A lot do. All, all right. Like, uh, James Meredith, just, just to saying. me, sounds like the bass guitarist for Queen. Like, he could be, he could be like... One, a, a guy who's like 70 and still playing rock music. but I mean, his name is Brian instead of James. Right. But that also fits in with the queen. Thing. Yeah. Mabiala opened the scoring and the goals kind of alternated from there. Armentero's got another one for Portland. He seems to be having a good year. Someone who's not having a good year, though, is the entire team of Seattle, who are 11 points 
from the playoff spots. Uh, probably not clawing their way back. Helping us look better. Even though we lost to them. Uh, shout out to Diego Valeri. Shh. Revenge will be ours. I literally said shout out and you shushed me. <laughs> Come on, man. Caleb Diego Valeri gets an even more gentlemanly gentleman's hat trick. It is three assists in the same game. Listeners, what is more gentlemanly than being a gentleman? This was something that we could not figure out during our notes. You'll have to tell us. Atlanta getting four goals against Orlando. Um, about that uh, bump from firing a coach that you're supposed to get. I think Orlando missed it. Um, maybe they're just not that good. Shh. Then maybe this is my thing for this episode. I'll just shush you at times. Episode title, cool. Uh, Justin Martinez, <laughs> he's he's good. Um, Atlanta had the biggest soccer crowd in the world when most of the other leagues weren't playing. And I'm also, really glad you're just reading my words and making fun of Atlanta for me when really, you know, I, I expected you to like look at that and be like, come on, Notch, what the hell? But you're right. Yes, put them down. Continue doing so. For example, uh, yeah, Atlanta's big three. They're pretty good. Whatever. Nobody cares. Right? See, I did it. Um, Miguel only Rowan got his second by nutmegging Joseph Bendick. Ow. That's my line. Oh, but you said my line. We, oh my God. All the physics are so wrong right now. See, the fabric of society is gone, my friend. Uh-huh. It's gone. But no, in okay, I'm going to break character for a minute. Martinez, Almiron, and Barco, pretty damn fucking good. And they all scored in this game. Jesus Christ, it is so fun to watch them, even if you hate Atlanta. Okay, stop saying that. That Now I'm not even in character, and I still get angry with people praising Atlanta. I'm begrudgingly giving them the fact that they're okay. And uh, there was uh, one of the commentators on this on this broadcast set, talked about heavy, heavy whispers. And he was talking about transfers, but all I was thinking was, we need a new George Michael track called Heavy, Heavy Whispers. R.I.P. in peace. Right. Um, Orlando are tied for the longest losing streak of the year. They are four away from tying the all-time record. Even with James O'Connor coming as the new head coach. Let's see if we can get there. James O'Connor, of course, the former head coach of Louisville City, who moved right into the Orlando place. Okay. Montreal scored two goals against SKC at the Stade Olympico? Is that the name of their stadium? What's no, that? What's Stad Saputo. Stad Saputo, that's right. Yeah, the, because it's Joey Saputo. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the Rocco Camiso of MLS. For it's true. many, many reasons. Yes. Um, and now for our usual segment, horrible commentary from the Montreal team. This week he wasn't saying Pieri, he was saying Piatti. Because someone obviously called him and was like, you're pronouncing that wrong. So he was like, hmm, how can I get it wrong in a different way? And he went with Piatti. And uh, we got another rips into the mish, except he said mesh this time, sadly. Um, so I didn't get robbed by nipples. And you still did. Just admit you still did. Hey, that's between the two of us. When Caleb isn't here, we do things differently and we're a little bit more private. Come on, man. We share everything, Notch. Yeah, but the listener now shares it with us. It's not special anymore, Colin. Uh, also, he pronounced Tim Milia like a Barack's daughter, a Barack Obama's daughter. That yeah. uh, that that was weird. That was awkward. If the net's not there, Tony or Rick, classic, 
forgetting the guy you're in the booth with, um, his name. And then there was another quote, great penalty taker there by Silva, who took the penalty. Anyway. Yes. Yes. He himself was a great penalty taker by himself. Okay. Well, Piatti opened the scoring with a beautiful shot from outside the box. The ball had kind of pinged around the box a little bit. Milia kind of chasing after it, but then realizing it was beyond him, he goes back. Turns out he's still out of position because Piatti can uh, knock a ball straight into the back of the net. Ikepara had a fantastic dive in this game. It was trying to suggest to the referee that the penalty that he gave up, which, by the way, the Stone Cold penalty, was a dive. Yeah. So, uh, this means that Montreal has now won four out of five. And interesting stat that I did not know. Out of the last 38 games they've played, they have only won or lost. They have not had a draw. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, man. Uh, quick transfer note. SKC is seen, is said to be chasing after Alvaro Negredo from Besiktas. Columbus playing RSL. Columbus getting two goals to RSL's one. There have been some developments in the Austin situation. Unfortunately, bad news for the crew as the Austin City Council seems to be moving ahead with uh, with PSV. Very very annoying stuff. Hopefully they would uh, they would they would just shut the whole thing down. But they haven't. Apparently there were there were children brought in front of the City Council to like plead the case of how much they desperately wanted soccer. And one of the kids was like the 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 kid of the head PR rep for PSV's PR effort in Austin. So well done there. Yeah. Um, early penalty was converted by Giassi Zardas. Somehow he did not shoot it wide. Oh, wait, that's right. He's good now, I guess. Um, excellent move to Eduardo Sosa. Um, great pass move for Columbus's second. Mike Pecky continues to put people out of place. Uh, putting it noted, central midfielder Demir Krylak as a false nine in this game. It didn't work. Nope. New England got uh, three goals to DC's two in Gillette Stadium. Uh, there's some sort of joke here about Wayne Rooney coming to DC right after they got beaten by New England. Um, I mean, it's it's the same DC that they don't play defense. Right. Doesn't matter what England it is. <laughs> Wayne Rooney is uh, now a DC United player. About 500 people greeting him at the airport, including a guy in a Lampard England kit. I just want to know, like, I, I wanted to be there when he chose that outfit. Like, what he, hopefully there was a partner or a friend in the room. And he's like, hmm, what do I wear? Should I wear my DC United jersey? Oh, wait, I don't go to DC United games, so I don't have one. Yeah. Should I wear my Yankees hat? Or should I, hmm, hmm, here's a jersey with a totally different player on the back. Let's wear that. I would have loved to see somebody show up in a Man City Lampard jersey. That would have been really fun. That would have been a great troll move. Um, besides this, I mean, it, it was a back-and-forth game. Um, in New England opened up the scoring. Funny moment when Yamil Assad took credit for um, Zoltan Stieber's free kick when it it kind of hit him in the face, wasn't it? Yeah, but if it didn't hit him in the face, it wouldn't have wrongfooted the keeper and gone in. So yeah, uh, but at the same time, Assad did score that goal. It's like when someone tries to cross and it goes into the net. You're you know you let you let the person celebrate. Like you're not going to be like, oh, yeah. you don't deserve to celebrate, ma'am. 
I mean, I wouldn't have celebrated, but that's because I would have gotten concussed by that free kick. Right. But, um, so, good on Yamil Assad. Um, at least you're not entirely Harry Kane. Um, Chicago, 3-2 victory over NYCFC. Chicago Fire have unrecognized Sector Latino as a supporters group. I, again, we've, we've talked about this in a previous podcast. I don't want to go into too much detail. All I will say is this. When I first went to Chicago Fire Games in 2010 and 2011, Sector Latino were the loudest supporters group there, despite being probably the smallest. Their corner was where the sound, the music, and everything came from. It is a tragedy to me that they will no longer be providing that experience in the stadium. Much agreed. Um, speaking of things to agree about... Um by Katai? Yeah, probably. Alexander Katai is only at Chicago until July 31st on loan from Deportivo Alaves in España. So they need to they need to nail him down because he's scoring a lot of goals, including two in this game. It, both of which just saw him completely torch multiple defenders. Yeah, he's like, very good. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a reason that he doesn't stay at the same club for more than a year because apparently there's attitude issues in there somewhere but um i would take every single one of those attitude issues to see somebody torch a right back or a left back like that every yeah. single game nemanja Nikolic does get his seventh goal of the year in this game all right with that it's time for us to take a break we shall return with part two of our show Have you ever felt- are you listening damn Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. We're still in the top step segment talking about MLS before we move on to NWSL news. LAFC playing Philadelphia in their brand new LA stadium and uh, coming out 4-1 victors. <laughs> victors. Victors. <laughs> I feel like as the years have gone on, I've lost that whole Indian VNW thing, but like it happens every now and then. Victors. I'm pretty sure, actually, that's the same joke from Star Trek 2009. It was a Victor, Victor, Charlie, Charlie. Like, it's the uh, Chekhov is, like, has the same problem. But, uh... Speaking of things that went over people's heads, um, Max Bredos, the commentator for LAFC, referenced Ronnie James Dio's Holy Diver after Adama Diamande got his second goal and I flipped my shit over it. And then Notch was like, what are you talking about? This and guy... it's literally something that we talked about on the previous podcast. Really? Yes. I don't get it, man. This guy seemed to be making all sorts of references that were like funny in his head. And he probably had been like, you know, he made a reference in front of the mirror once. And it was like really funny. So he kept making it in his head Again, then he thought, like, I should throw this out on the broadcast. Maybe other people will get it. Nobody did. Like, that one, okay, fine. But he said some other stuff, too, which I was just very confused by. But anyway, speaking of Diamande, though, this dude is, like, on fire. Seven goals in less than 300 minutes. So he gets the first hat trick in LAFC's team history, which means that Minnesota United and one other team are the only two teams in MLS right now that don't have a hat trick in their franchise history. Can you name the other team? 
Um, it's not who you'd expect. Toronto? Portland. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can actually see that. Really? Well, no, because they they usually have like multiple guys scoring like one or two goals each game. Okay. All right. I... They spread their scoring around is what I'm trying to say. All right. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, um, anyway, we should keep moving on with this game, which is the fact also that Latif Blessing had added one goal um, in quote-unquote garbage time after Lee Wynn got way too much space in, in the near the box and uh, managed to get a ball into the goalkeeper's way. It's kind of like the, the Algeria goal that Donovan scored. Blessing just runs in and knocks it in last minute on the rebound. What happened to Philly having a good young central defense? Shh. Just go back. Something happened. Uh, San Jose get a 3-3 draw in the Cali Classico. Another derby that like lives up to its name. How cool is that? It's really nice when Heineken Rivalry Week actually... Shh, shh. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't use those words here. Heineken has nothing to do with this, this, this magic that happens, man. It's all Zlatan. Who got two goals in this game? Pretty incredible, right? First minute, yeah. yeah. First minute, like first minute, that was a damn good goal. I mean, at this point, we gotta admit Garber's writing the scripts. Let let let's be honest, okay? Yeah. We're we're yeah, basically a few years from now, it's gonna be like the WWE. It's like when we were young, we believed MLS was real, but it was all scripted from minute one to minute end, and. Um, it's just a matter of time before Minnesota United makes the heel turn and return like full um, evil. Actually, good. No, don't don't go too far. That would be out of character. We got to maintain our character. We got to make a heel turn. So we just start kicking people in the face and earning all the red cards. That's going to be Minnesota United next year. Just mark my words. A lot more entertaining than this year. Um, speaking of heel turns, Wondolowski gets a penalty saved, scores the rebounds, and then yells at. Not Zlatan. Because that's really all you need to say about any LA Galaxy player at this point is that it's either Zlatan or not Zlatan. Uh, actually, though, not Zlatan was Dave Bingham, who, who was at San Jose until last year. Former teammate who had a falling out with the team, no less. Yeah, so he got yelled at by Wando. Didn't, did, after watching that Wando yelling, did you have a wish to have someone go and yell at Wando in his face about Belgium? Because I would have. Like, wanted to see that. Like, I don't think Wando gets to yell at people anymore. You know? Like, I think his yelling privileges should be yanked. The dude's six goals away from getting the all-time MLS scoring record. Uh, don't tell Caleb. Zlatan's second should have got stopped by the entire San Jose defense that it it rolled through. And then, basically, the... Uh, uh, how long can I put it off until I have to say this name? Kazajvili. Did I say that right? Kaziashvili? Um, I think it's Kaziashvili, but... Nicely done. Kaziashvili had a goal that found Bingham way out of position. So, basically, both these goals, Zlatan and Kaziashvili, whoever's dude in San Jose colors, his goal, uh, found the keepers on the wrong foot. And uh, this, this game was not a celebration of good goalkeeping. Let's put it that way. As one would expect from David Bingham and Andrew Tarbell. Um, speaking of a not celebration of good goalkeeping, Alex Bono did his absolute worst in the fourth minute of this Red Bulls Toronto game, which that was the uh, World Cup follow up 
game for Fox on Sunday. Yeah, that uh, they they picked poorly as uh, as the is that what they say in Indiana Jones? He chose poorly. Yeah, that's yeah, the quote. Exactly. Who whoever did it, they chose poorly uh, in this because it was a total bore fest. New York Red Bulls get a sloppy goal, and Toronto continue their descent into horribleness, which the Guardian wrote an article about. That I was very excited to read, but basically just concluded by saying, we don't know what's going on. Toronto is now a team without an identity, which they had last year. They are a team that is racked by injuries. Nothing seems to be working for them. And it's inexplicable. They are so bad this year. There's also the fact that Sebastian Janvinko hasn't scored from open play. Yeah, that too. So I'm um, just going to mention that as probably the really, really ridiculously important part. Well, but they weren't a one-man team last year. Like, they, they had people chipping in to, to lift the team from all sides. And now they're just suffering because their one guy can't seem to hit the net. And that's crazy. I mean, the people want Greg Vanny to be the next U.S. men's national team coach. And still probably do. But, like, what he just can't seem to get them out of this rut. It's become a trend now. They're bad. I mean, when Josie Altidore is injured... That's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, one other quick note on this. Bob Bradley had a Q&A session where he was asked about his son's penalty in the CONCACAF Champions League final. And he said, quote, I think the penalty shot is still permanently in orbit. <laughs> Vancouver played Colorado and came out to a what? A loss. Colorado won. This is crazy. Yeah, well, Colorado did score one goal, um, as surprising and shocking as it is. Uh, the weekly question we always ask, are Colorado good? No. Yeah, they just lucked out on this one. How? What happened? Well, um, Tim Howard, I think, resuscitated the ghost of four years ago in the first half, actually had a very good game on the anniversary of his uh screaming great match against Belgium. But besides that, Vancouver, I don't know what the hell is going on there. Yeah. They're they're just awful right now. Well, they, they pull out the odd result, and then they return back to their terrible form. But anyway, b- back to this game. Uh, Minnesota United Jesus Sam Nicholson crossed a ball to the far post, which shot off the bar and then ricocheted into the feet of De Jong and into the net. So apparently this is evidence that we were entirely wrong to get rid of Sam Nicholson, that all our problems would have been solved if Sam Nicholson was still here. Ron Howard voiceover. No. No. No, they wouldn't be. Okay, NWSL news. First up, Go90 is gone, the service on which you could get poor quality streams of NWSL games. So now, in fact, the league is streaming all their games on the NWSL website, which actually means better streaming quality for most people they've been doing this also the entire rest of the year for non-us based people so uh in some ways this is actually a good thing for nw people who watch nwsl go ahead and retire your vpn that you had set in the uk um orlando hosted houston in midweek lost two to one with two goals after the 79th minute that sucked. Holy crap. Uh, Utah playing Seattle and, and the game ending in a nil-nil draw. The reason we should mention this game, though, is that it was the first game for Christian Press at Utah. And she had three shots on target. 
six saves for Michelle Betos. Um, one one draw between um, the Thorns and Sky Blue FC. Lindsay Horan got a headed set piece in the first half. Carly Lloyd um, converted her own penalty in the second half. Carly Lloyd really needs to be on a not terrible team, by the way. That would really be good. She is, was it two or three years ago she was World Player of the Year? Yep. Incredible stuff, and she's stuck. Yeah. Sad. Um, Orlando lost yet again. Also on a bunch of just goals clustered together. Um, 3-0 defeat to the hands of North Carolina Courage. All three goals coming in four minutes in the first half. And, of course, because they clearly need to get better, the Courage also traded this week for the rights to Heather O'Reilly coming back from Arsenal. Alex Morgan comes off injured late in this game, so the Pride did have to finish this game out with 10 women on the pitch. Uh, Despite the fact... (laughs) Go ahead. Whoever the announcer was, bless her heart, she said that they had to finish with 10 men. Yeah. Oh, no. She said a man down. And I said, oh, that's, a man down, that's yes. not exactly what's yeah. happening here. But anyway, no, no, uh, Utah played Sky Blue FC coming out with a 3-1 win for Utah. Kristen Press gets her first goal. The more important thing, though, Katie Stengel scores her second goal, celebrates with teammates for just a second. And then she like you can see the like gears in her head turning and she makes a different decision, starts running off somewhere else, looking really happy. And I was like, what's she doing? This, this seems like a premeditated on? thing. Turns out there's a gigantic throne it's that just enormous. sits on the Utah Royals sideline. And she goes and sits in it. Absolutely deserved, given her goals. So great. So great. Uh, Seattle with a 1-0 win in the other Cascadia Derby this weekend. Um, Adriana French had a amazing save. Megan Rapino ships from... Uh, just outside the top of the box. I think one of the things I've learned this week is you don't give good players, Lee Wynn, Megan Rapino, space to just tee up a shot. If you do, you're going to get an unbelievable, uh, unbelievably well-placed shot, which Rapino had, and I do not know how French got to this. Like, unbelievable save. However, it seems like she sold her soul to get that save. Um, because she was left flat-footed in the 89th minute when Jody Taylor was standing right on top of the six, gets a pass from Pino, just taps it in. Chicago Red Stars won 2-0 over Washington. The reason to watch this game is to see Agumi Nagasato score a fantastic diving header. Diving header! Yeah, go, go watch the replay of this. Well worth it. Let's now move into a segment that we call Get Low. Let's get low and get to our wrap-up of U.S. Lower Leagues Soccer. Uh, we're going to talk about Mixed Discrude here because he doesn't deserve to be talked about in the national team segment or the top step or anything like that. He deserves to be talked about in the lower leagues because Mix, everybody's favorite uh, Scandinavian-American, is uh, in fact being chased currently by South Korean club Ulsan Hyundai. And also a reminder, he is currently signed to Manchester City, who had loaned him out to Göteborg last season. So um, Manchester City announcing this news. Your occasional reminder that Mix Diskarud was on the other side of the crazy money laundering scheme that is City Football Group. Mate, you can't support a financial group. Okay, TFC2 have 
announced that they will be a founding member of USL D3 this year. Nippon Chopra on Twitter saying that there should be several other MLS two teams dropping down into USL D3, which I'm pretty sure makes USL very, very happy. Probably. Speaking of their league, a few results, notable results. Yeah, uh, Reno eighteen sixty eight uh, one nil victors over Portland Timbers two. Reno haven't lost since the day after my birthday. Obviously, you are responsible for this magic. What kind of witchcraft did you perform, and can we undo it? I mean, I I just got drunk and watched a bunch of Reno nine one one on my birthday. So. You have to do it again, backwards. I don't want to throw up a bunch of alcohol. If I don't have to. Thank you very much. Um, Nashville with a 3-0 win over Atlanta 2. All three of the former Loons played in this game. Loons legend Brandon Allen scored the opener. Wait, he's not just a stock photo? He actually exists and he actually scored. Wait, wait, what if it was a stock photo model who after Minnesota United used his photo to like announce a ghost signing was like, wait... They've created this elaborate identity and has a backstory and everything. I'll just assume it. Like, maybe he was just good at soccer, too. Have you thought about this? This could be a conspiracy. Like, we should look into this. Uh, you should edit that into the soccer thing segment. Okay, all right. We've like, kind of, it's kind of fall, fallen back on that segment. we got to do one this week, man. No, we don't. We're oh. already running long. Okay, we'll just keep skipping it every week, apparently. Sad stuff, man. Sorry, guys. I know people whose favorite part of listening to this podcast is that segment. That makes people that aren't me. Um, MPSL North News, Minneapolis City clinched the conference 4-2 win over Duluth FC. Um, goes along with a 2-1 victory over VSLT this week as well. So what does that mean for Minneapolis City going forward? Uh, they are into the Midwest region playoffs with at least a top seed. They will either host a game um, if they lose on uh, points per game tiebreaker. Right now, they're actually slotted to be the number one seed. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll host the playoff games, but means that they are at least assured of something positive. No need to go into the system only dreams in total darkness this week because there was nothing to talk about about national teams. Let's move on to a segment that we call The Transfer. Get your transfer tickets because we're switching lines in this segment where we cover soccer transfers from the world over. First up, a hashtag R quadruple O M E R rumor. Cristiano Ronaldo might be on the move. What? To Juventus? For 100 million euro. Apparently this is coming from a reliable source. And there's a great Reddit conspiracy theory thread which kind of lays out all the reasoning for why this might actually be a leak from Florentino Perez himself. Take this for what you will. Maybe next year our minds... Next week we'll be announcing how our minds are actually blown by this transfer. I'm kind of mad that I didn't read that thread. Like... Uh, Real Madrid have denied bidding for Neymar, but if they're getting rid of Ronaldo, it's a done deal in my mind. They are getting Neymar. They and would not be getting rid of Ronaldo without a comparable signing. And never mind the fact that PSG needs to somehow get under fair play rules. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to me. LOL. Yeah. Um, Riyad Mahrez more than likely is going to be joining Man City for £60 million. Hashtag made you can't support a financial group. And uh, Socrates has joined Arsenal. I 
it, it's kind of makes me sad because you know Socrates's death is like a major thing in the philosophical canon. So if he's alive and joining Arsenal, that destroys again another event that destroys the fabric of our universe as we know it. Dude, it's a different Socrates. Oh, really? It doesn't even. There's spell more it. than one. Have you ever gotten euros late at night? So, uh, Socrates pa- Papastopoulos. Papastopoulos. Papastopoulos, adding to the big names, literally, that Arsenal has been signing next to Pierre-Emerick, Aubameyang, etc., etc. I enjoyed the fact that there's a great picture of Jurgen Klopp alongside Socrates, Aubameyang, and a guy from Manchester City whose name I'm not forgetting, Armenian guy. Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan. Who also is with Arsenal now. Exactly. So basically, Arsenal signing 2013 Dortmund, which, I mean, you could go for worse teams. I'd kind of go for 2009 Barcelona, but like Iniesta does and Xavi and Puyol are kind of getting up there. Puyol actually looks better now that he isn't playing soccer, though. Did you know that he got kicked out of a TV studio in Iran because of his hair? They thought his hair was like too kind of um, uh, immoral to put on TV. Like legit. This is not a joke. I would kick him out because his face is just very oddly disfigured. Hey... Mean. Dude is ugly as fuck. You are I'm so mean. I'm sorry. I act. I'm sorry, Carlos Puyol. You are an amazing player. He listens. Jeez. You are an amazing player. You are funny looking as fuck. Um, Dusan Tadic signs with Ajax, and the released lists are out. Who's available on a free this summer? Jack Wilshere and Santi Carzola are gone. Carzola not a surprise given his... Uh, long-term injury worries. The fact that he's able to walk and run in itself is a wonder. So we'll see what happens to him. Uh, Wilshere is a bit of a surprise given that he's as close to Arsenal as anybody given that he grew up there pretty much. I, I think it's the fact that with Emery coming in, he just didn't see a spot for him. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's also been someone who's had trouble with injuries as well. And according to rumors, has struck a deal with Fenerbahce in Turkey. That'll be interesting. Burnley, it says in my notes, Burnley dropped noted Canadian Scott Arfield. I have no idea who this is. Um, is Scott, he noted in Canada or something? Uh, yeah, he's actually um, Canada's best non-19 and under player. So it's basically like uh, in, How, in How I Met Your Mother, one of the characters was famous in Canada and nobody had heard of her in America. I mean, Scott Arfield's a pretty darn good player too but okay. whatever he signed with rangers so cool. good for him uh johan kabai got dropped by palace uh has subsequently signed with al nasser and robert huth dropped by lester huth yeah robert but huth yeah it, it, robert huth Huth's son first okay anyway uh <laughs> let's not move into a segment that we call from russia with var Russia Bar I fly to you Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to run to the edge of the pitch and stare at a screen that has massive upsets every single day until it doesn't. Because that's got turned around. For a second there, we were like, this is the World Cup of upsets. And then uh, Brazil beat Mexico and Belgium beat Japan and all was right with the world again until England won on penalties today. 
So yeah. that that was an upset. So just so much has happened since the last time we recorded. The group stage ended and Germany went out. I feel like that's something we got to talk about. <laughs> hey, I bought a German jersey like two weeks before the I cup. I know okay. you did and it's hilarious. Hey, screw you, man. I thought we were being friends for the for the for just for the recording. Turns out the knives are out for real now. Uh, well, anyway, Yogi Love. Everyone's favorite hairstyle in the world is still going to be with Germany going forward. That's kind of crazy. I don't know if it's like admirable or naive. Something about that smells fishy. What do you mean? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, he did do that, that one. Okay. Anyway, uh, we don't, I don't, I don't really want to scar our listeners' ears, the ones who don't know what we're talking about right now, but, uh, what do you think of this though? Do you think that a coach who has failed to take the World Cup champions through the or the defending World Cup champions through the group stage, do you think he deserves to stick around? No. I mean, I'm I- sorry, like that's you literally have one job to do and it's to get at least through the group stage. I will if say- you fail to do that, that is that's more than fireable for a team like Germany. On the devil's advocate list, he has been with the team for so long, and this is their only failure. And and in fact, there are massive successes. Just a couple of years ago, four years ago, I mean, his, his trajectory has been a stellar ascent. You know what else would have been stellar? Picking Leroy Sané for your team. Oh, no, 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 no. I will fight you about that. Leroy Sané would not have been enough. This German team's issues went way deeper than Leroy Sané and had a lot to do with team cohesion and their ability to actually play together. And yes, Lerz, Lerz coaching and instructions to this team were also an issue, I would say. But Sané, Brandt actually played really well. Just the- saying... Goals can paper over a lot of those cracks. This is like people saying Jurgen Klinsmann's mistake in the 2014 World Cup was taking Julian Green. No, there were much bigger issues. <laughs> Julian Green scored a pretty fucking important goal. Exactly. Was. Anyway, my frustrations with the World Cup, I think, have to do with the fact that only one team outside of the European and South American teams went through to the knockout on Japan. All the African sides were out, all the... Asian sides were gone. I was very sad about that. What happened to Mexico? Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting them. But I count them as like a classic soccer team who are expected to be there. Let me put it this way. Uh, Aside from the Europeans, the South Americans, and the Mexicans, the only team that went through was Japan. And I I would have liked to see at least one African side in there. Maybe maybe an Iran as well, you know? It's so sad. Yeah, I mean... A lot of those teams were very close to getting through, no less. And it's Senegal is arguably the best team in their group. I mean, they played Colombia. Japan was playing Poland. Poland at all was already out. And then Senegal manages to kind of put up a fight against Colombia. And then as soon as Japan realizes that they don't need to do anything other than just hold onto the ball and knock it around with the defense, they do that. And it's kind of this anti-football finish to this group. I'm really sad about that, like because Senegal had three more yellow cards. Japan is through. That's really sad. I don't feel that bad for a team realizing what they need to do and then achieving it. I I I don't think it's right I, to I, just kick around the ball with no intention of playing the sport that we're all there to play. I don't like watching it. I'm just saying I'm understanding of it. And there is something 
to be said for a team that was able to actually pull that off. Yeah, Argentina did slip through their group um, again, uh, probably undeservedly on on getting past uh, both Iceland and Nigeria, which I think either way you could have picked one of them to go through and I'd been... Either of them would have been more fun to watch in that France game. Oh, I love that France game. Seven goals? Come on, I just enjoyed watching the Argentinians get completely demolished. That was such a great game, but... Either Iceland or Nigeria would have put up a more interesting fight. Sure, I could, I could see that. They would have both lost, arguably. But you never know, I guess, with all the upsets. Such as Russia demolishing Spain. Or at least holding them with their massive parked bus. Uh, that was crazy. Wait, you're, ch- you're chastising anti-football and then saying that Russia beating Spain on penalties was... No, I didn't Amazing. say it was good. I'm actually, I was actually hoping Spain would win that game because uh, I do want Russia to be knocked out of this tournament. But uh, it was nuts. It's still, it, it's a result which I feel like every single podcast, article, every prediction for the knockout series I was reading was like, yeah, and actually this game we don't need to talk about very much because Spain's going to win, right? And then they didn't. Crazy. Yeah. Better living through chemistry. Um, you can also look to uh, those Belgian subs sinking Japan. That was arguably the best ah, knockout stage game so good far. God, that was a fantastic game. And not only that, it was one of those games where you could literally just scroll 20 minutes back on Twitter and start screenshotting everything when people ended up making so reasonable takes that ended up being proven wrong. Let's go back to before the World Cup where everyone's saying Roberto Martinez has no idea what he's doing. Belgium are a lost generation. They're not going to do well. And in this game, it, it seemed like all those predictions were coming true because Japan had two goals in the second half in rapid succession. And they seemed to have Belgium's number. Then Martinez subs on Fellaini and Shadley. Shadley, who was one of the guys who had been put into the team uh, due to Rajan Angle and not being there. So he was a controversial addition. And everybody was just screaming at Martinez on Twitter saying, God, Fellaini and Charlie, this is our, this is what we're going to do. This is our plan. Turns out it was a great plan. It worked to perfection. Fellaini getting one of the two goals that equalized Japan. And then in the final minute of the game, in stoppage time, Lukaku does a beautiful dummy, gets two defenders out of position. Amazing run to set up that dummy. Exactly. Gets two defenders out of position with the run, then dummies in a place where any other striker with his mentality is is like, wants to get the ball and hit it in the net, get the glory for himself and said, let's the ball go behind him to where Charlie is who knocks in a perfect shot to send Belgium through. I feel gutted. For the Japanese, they they quote unquote deserved that one. Um, that was arguably the greatest counterattack play that's ever taken place. Yeah, I, you know, I, yes, I could I could yeah. see that. I I know it just happened, but recency bias be damned. I will say that uh, you know Croatia, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, not as interesting games. Uruguay, Portugal was all right. I do have to shout out the Subasic versus Schmeichel penalties that that was amazing to watch yeah for sure that game kind of is one of those games where if you watch the last five minutes you watch the most interesting bits and um and also fantastically interesting speaking on the less good side of the spectrum Neymar was uh murdered by Miguel Layun stepping on his ankle 
you've probably seen this video being played on the news and people laughing at soccer. You know, I, I try to defend soccer from claims of that, that the players are just idiots who don't know how to kind of um, behave themselves. And I try to say, like, no, it's part of the game. They're not actually hurt. But, you know, you, you have to get the ref's attention, blah, blah, blah. Neymar overacts to a degree that just throws me off. And Ian, I can't defend that. And it's so embarrassing. I can't defend the overacting. I can defend at least having a response when somebody leans into your ankle with their studs, though. You know who else got uh, stepped on with this, the same studs from the same player? The referee. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and I would argue that if, if Neymar hadn't overacted, the referee might have sent Leyun off. But he was like, yeah, I'm not going to reward this kind of behavior. So I'm, I'm kind of sad that Brazil got rewarded and went through. I was hoping Mexico actually went through this round because they were up against Brazil. So I just like the fact that it was Rafa Marquez getting the start and then having to be sent off or subbed out at halftime that changed the game for Mexico. Who would have expected that except everybody? Hey, speaking of uh, something else that occurred to Mexico, you, Juan Carlos Osorio, the Mexican national team coach, saying after the game that he wants more of his players to play in Europe rather than North America. Note he didn't say MLS. He said North America. Which, of course, led everyone to lose their shit and say, like, actually, Chikorito is at West Ham and he's not doing well. Aha! Uh, There's plenty of Mexican players that are playing in Europe and aren't playing well. Diego Reyes is not going to get re-signed at Porto. I, you, do you disagree with Osorio? I'm saying that... I'm saying that it doesn't necessarily have to be a binary choice of play in Europe and oh, suddenly become on. better versus everybody play. was was you know what he means which is that you got to go play for one of the good teams in a good league yes if you go play for freaking um I, I don't know Alaves or Gothenburg or like one of the piddly teams in the Swiss league that TSN was talking about on our podcast that don't do much yeah that's not going to be good for you of course he's talking about going to Bayer Leverkusen like Chicharito. Of course he's talking about going off and playing for Barcelona like the Dos Santos brothers. He's he's talking about challenging yourself to a higher level. He's not saying be where you are where it's, uh, you know, don't, go, go off to some piddly team just because it's in Europe. He's saying go achieve your potential, which is controversial only with MLS fans. I still think that it depends on the player. It depends on... Where the player is in their development, it depends on if it's a youth player that is emotionally ready to go overseas, cool, send them out there. If they're I, not, let them play in Liga MX until they're 24, 25. Let them show their abilities. Transfer over and play for a mid to upper level team. Compete for minutes. I would for like argue... Sevilla. I would argue that that is implied in a statement, and this is a, this is an issue we're taking it forward is, because we, as MLS fans, are insecure about this because our league tries to get American players to stay here. So that any suggestion that our league isn't a great place to play for international level players, we are hypersensitive to it. And so that's my take on this. And I don't think anything he said was controversial at all. And I think if Osorio had the chance to talk to one of the youth players you're referring to who's not ready, he'd say, "Stay here." Go, but but aim to get the mental fortitude that will allow you to go there. Don't feel like this is the only place that you would ever be. 
And I agree with the thing that's saying that at some point, to be your best kind of player, you need to get to one of those big teams. It's incontrovertible. If you go to one of the big teams and you're able to play there, you're going to be a better player. So to have more of your national team able to be at that level is a good thing. But again, that means that you need to cultivate enough players who are good enough for that as well. So, anyway. You can still do that in Liga MX. Sure. I'll just say that. All right. I'm sorry. You can't. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, let's now say goodbye because we have come to an end of another very long episode. We really should have soccer things next week, though. I insist. I, I was trying to come up with some way to talk about the impending civil war that might happen by the time that we release this thing. But it, no, it no, just that's didn't that's happen. just England and France are now different countries. So there's England doesn't have any land in France anymore. So that's who I'm calling for the final, by the way, England versus France. I want that. I really want Croatia or Sweden. Okay. I would Sweden. love to see either of those teams. Both of them do something different. Okay. Croatia, right. they rule from the midfield. Sweden, they're just probably the best team chemistry team out there. Sure. All right, but now it is really time for us to say goodbye. I'll start this time. R- rarity of rarities. I'm at TWO United Fans, and uh, I don't write anywhere, unlike you, who your articles can be found at E Pluribus Lunum. And where can the good people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at the attachment. Um, I've been taking a lot of the MPSL wrap ups lately. Might have some stuff on Minnesota United fairly soon. We'll see. You will also be able to send us questions on Twitter to at TW United Fans, where we will read them out on the show and answer them. We did not do that this week. I apologize. We'll do it again next week. You can find this podcast on fine podcast providers everywhere. Please introduce your friends to the show. We always love having more listeners. And with that, it's time for us to say goodbye. We will catch you again next week. Have fun, everybody. Yes.